Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right. Can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Adrienne Fuller. I am in a small little suburb of Orlando called Apopka, Florida. Uh, we are in the Central Florida area, and my practice name is Speech Builders, LLC, Speech and Language Therapy. Um, I think that's it. Perfect. Well, <laughs> welcome, and thank you for being on the podcast. You thank are you. someone who I have been aware of for a very long time, and uh, we've kind of supported each other and, and helped each other <clears throat> um, bring people to private practice, yes. and I want to know your story. I want to know how you came to be a private practitioner. So can we go way back to maybe um, grad school or when you were in your clinical fellowship or wherever your road to private practice started? Well, I think I've kind of always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think that's just the kind of person I am. I Some people, I hear their stories. I'm like, they're like, I fell into it or someone gave me a private practice. But I just think I felt like... I was never going to be happy unless I kind of went for it. And so I just want to start by saying, if anybody's out there debating, just do it. You would rather do it and then it flop, which it won't, than regret not even trying. But I digress. So I've always wanted to do it. Actually, funny story, got to grad school and one of my professors said I shouldn't have a private practice. Oh, what happened there? See, it was one of those things I was kind of out of field when I came to uh, speech therapy. I was a teacher first. Mm -hmm. And three years in, I went full-time into grad school. And she said, yeah, you know, with your, your writing skills, you're probably going to want to work in a hospital, not a private practice. So I actually sent her a book. Did what you? <laughs> That's fantastic. And we're going to talk about uh, So, that. yeah, people, you know, negatives, guys, don't ever let that stop you. But um, I still knew that that was for me. And so I 
kind of always had that in the back in the back of my mind and uh, did everything worked in a sniff first because I said I would never go back to kids but eventually found myself as a contractor in a school and was wait was wanting a part-time job with that contracting company they did not have it i took it as a sign because i already had some kind of some patients on the side but not very many and so uh, did that quit my job moved in with my parents to start the business uh, had to get go back and get a regular job because I was, I didn't quite have enough patience. Um, but that's a good thing because I always tell people starting, make sure you have money saved. Be sure you know your numbers. Uh, and we'll talk about that. Hopefully we'll talk about that later. Uh, but then kind of built up the caseload. I only went back to work for another half of, of a school year. Uh, worked, worked, got my built up the caseload. Um, had a very bad experience because I was only going to homes and to schools and had kind of a bad experience with a pit bull. Took that as a, I know, but it, I was like, oh, it's time to get an office. Found an office. <laughs> and it was actually two other business owners that were trying to get their businesses started. One was a personal trainer. One was an accountant. And so it was kind of cool to have that experience with them because uh, we were just all growing our businesses. So it was kind of like, I knew you're new, let's just grind. And it was kind of an office sharing space, but we had use of the office most of the time because they weren't there mm -hmm. and just kind of built it up from there. And now I have a location in Apopka, Florida. And we have people come to the office and we go out to schools. And we have three other satellite locations where we could do evaluations only. So oh, that's nice. A couple, one of those is I kind of rent space from a school. Um, the other two, I rent the space myself, but at a, I really worked to find a, a, a rent I could afford. Yeah. So, and when you say we, who are you talking about? I, you and I am talking about me, but yeah. I am a spiritual person. So I say I could not do this without God, but I also don't think I could have done it without the people on my staff, which aren't that many, but like just my family, it's just been a group effort. I never think I've done it myself. So I just feel like I'm part of a tribe and I always say we, cause I, I've tried to do it alone and that did not work. <laughs> And I think that that's an important thing to, to know and acknowledge, right? Is that, yeah. you know, the whole, you know, it takes a village kind of a thing. Like you have to cultivate or, you know, um, find your people, right? Because sometimes yeah. people don't have support. And I think that, that you, you can do a private practice without support of, mm -hmm. you know, a spouse or family members or mm -hmm. God or, or whomever, but it really, really helps to cultivate um, a supportive network to yes. help you through both the good and the bad times. Y yes, I, I totally agree. My dad does marketing for me for a little while. My sister did my Medicaid billing. Um, so, I mean, it's really been, uh, mom used to call people for, for bill, like to collect money. So it's been a family, <laughs> it's a family affair. <laughs> I love it. That makes me so happy. Okay, so 
what kind of clients do you see in your private practice? So I see, I'm a, we still have a big Medicaid population. And mm-hmm. so I know there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pluses and minuses to becoming an, an insurance provider. But I always say, even with all my frustrations, that Medicaid, that, that clientele has built my practice. So I'm never going to totally like knock it, but it does have frustrations that come with it, but it has pluses because we've, I feel like we've helped, helped a lot of people in my city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have contracts with, a. I don't really have that many contracts with private schools anymore, but I used to have a couple of charter school contracts. I, I have a, now I have a contract with a school district mm-hmm. and we provide therapists to them. So that's been interesting. So my thing was now, like I'm learning to schedule administrative time because it is just as important as treating. But because now we have uh, so much overhead, we've got to have the revenue. So it is anybody listening, a brick and mortar practice is great, but that is overhead and that does not make you a private practitioner. Yeah. So I was sharing with Jenna at the beginning, we had a nice little conversation. I said, uh, you are a private practitioner when you exchange money for services. Not when you have 20 therapists, not when you have a location. It's just when you are providing therapy for payment. And if you look at it like that, then you kind of, because I don't know, in grad school, we're kind of thought, oh my gosh, I want a brick and mortar. I want all these therapists. And that's great. But there are negatives <laughs> to, to that. And, and so I, I do like those uncomplicated days when it was just me. I don't think I appreciated it enough, right? Totally. Like it was just me. I had my 10 kids. I build, you know, it was just like, I did it on my own terms. I didn't have to worry about taxes or workman's comp or FICA or anything or anything so, else. That's so. a really interesting thing to, to bring up. So how did you bridge the gap, Adrian, from when you first started and it was just you? How, how did you make that decision to start growing? Um, well, I, I could tell you the, I don't know. I could tell you the politically correct answer is, I am that therapist that only likes to see patients for about six months or a year. After that, I'm ready to move on. But some of my patients were becoming long-term patients. Mm -hmm. So I started out just getting my friends who worked in the school, like, do you want to see this patient after school? So I'd give them who I had so I could take on someone new. Got it. But I think the biggest challenge, if I'm honest, is getting it all out of my head. Yeah on into a system that someone can follow because I'm pretty like when you become a private practitioner, am I using, I think I, did I create that word? Or is that really a word? No, I think that's really a word. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a creator of words sometimes though. Yeah. But when you become a private practitioner and you're solo, everything is on you. So it's like, you know what insurance you take, you know, you kind of just, it's all rolling and it's all on you. And you, but when you have someone else working for you, then you have to communicate your expectations, your, mm-hmm. so it's been, 
I have a wonderful, wonderful administrative person. But when we first started, it was kind of rocky because first of all, it was all on my back. So her pay was literally grinding from my back. You know what I'm saying? It was like, Ooh, responsibilities. Yeah. And, and, and I'm finding, which is great, but no one told me private practice is always going to be another faith step. Like you step out and you, you start it. And I thought, Oh, I'm done. I, I, I did the hard thing, but then it was like, I stepped out and I hired someone. And then I had to step out and bring her on full time. And the, so it's like, everything is like, and so this summer was the latest, like, let me have her all summer without cutting her hours. And that was so scary because, you know, we super slow down in the summer. I have to eat, <laughs> but she has to eat. So it's been like, it's all like a step. Yeah. It's like, what's that Martin Luther King saying, quote, he's like, you don't have to take the whole staircase you just have to take the step and that's what private practice you will never see the whole staircase it's just steps and sometimes the steps change sometimes oh. steps kind of come out yeah. of the blue right you see a staircase and you think okay there yeah. are my steps or just like the martin luther king quote is that you can't see the staircase at all right it's kind of right. Maybe just, the staircase, ooh, I'm, I'm just going to keep rolling with this. The staircase is like building itself as you're walking up it. And sometimes you might stumble or you are or gonna, down the staircase, right? You, you described in you the beginning are, like getting another job again, right? Yes. And even w- I just, I just went through this really hard, difficult time with uh, an, empl- an uh, employee and it was I had two people leave at the same time and it was really, I just took it so personally. And, and at the end of that, cause when you feel like you put out and you don't think you're getting it back, I don't know. It was just very interesting. And then we had this horrible experience with this billing company. It was just, we couldn't get our rhythm, but then we weren't bringing in enough revenue. And I was at the end of that, I was thinking, why am I doing, why am I putting myself through this when I could just go back to being solo? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're going to have those times and you need a network of people, which I feel like I have in, in my colleagues, Pam and Natasha to say, it happens. Sometimes you have to sit it out. I went to Asha Connect and I think I've got a lot of encouragement from, from that conference. That's a great conference for private practice owners. I think but it was just thinking, what is my why? Like, don't, private practitioners, don't ever forget your why. We started this because we wanted private practice on our own terms. We wanted to make a decent living. But if you keep your why in front of you, that let that be your guide up that staircase. Because you're going to stumble, but let that be your guide. I love that. I think that's really important. And one of the things that you've done is you have actually helped guide people to private practice. Can you tell people a little bit about your book? So I have two colleagues, uh, Pamela Rowe and Natasha Carby-Joseph. We are like Charlie. I'm going to call us the Charlie's Angels of Therapy. No, I'm joking. But we really want to be your big sisters in speech. That's what we came up with the other day. Because we like to give a really honest view of private practice and what it takes to start it. So we wrote a book. It's called Putting Your Dreams to Work. 
keys to setting up your therapy practice. And we all have private practices in the Central Florida area. And what's kind of unique about our relationship and kind of the Central Florida area, we have a group of private practice owners that get together every quarter. We kind of just shoot ideas off each other. It's not really a competitive thing. And, uh, but the girls and I, we, Pam, Natasha and I, we all met, we met years ago and we've just kind of all got kept in touch, had dinner every now and then and just decided to write a book and, and did it. And so what we wanted to do was kind of have a how-to manual for starting a private practice from start to finish. Just how do you do this? Just the steps you need to take. And it's available on Amazon. It is available on Amazon. And we are really proud of what we've done. I really think it's a great book because when I was starting a practice, I looked for books and I found a couple uh, and I didn't find what I wanted. And we, we, then we started getting a lot of questions about, or even saw even Facebook posts on what do you do? How do you do it? You were already doing that. Uh, but we kind of just wanted to, I don't know, just put our, put our stamp on it too and write a book and yeah, do it. Which I think is fantastic. I mean, there's a large group of SLPs yeah. who want to pursue this, right? Absolutely. And as you know, we kind of chatted about before we came on the call, there are so many different ways to have private practices that it's really important for there to be different voices educating people on how to do this, right? You can certainly, you know, ASHA has a ton of information. You mentioned ASHA Connect being a fantastic conference. You know, the, the Putting Your Dreams to Work book that you guys wrote is fantastic. You know, I have a lot of stuff through the independent clinician. There are a lot of resources out there and I don't want to stop anybody from pursuing any of it. No, there, I, I honestly think there's kind of room for everybody and nobody's practice is going to look the same because you have to make it work for you, your life and your family. So anybody kind of debating it, it's doable and don't let... I don't know. You like I said before, we you could have I personally love the model where you have a full-time job job and you have patients on the side. I think that's a great way to start. I really think that's a great way to start, don't you? I that's where I tell people to start. I mean, there are people who quote unquote leap into private practice. And yeah. I think that if you have a large safety net or an insane risk tolerance go for it. You know, if maybe yeah. you have a spouse who makes a lot of money, or maybe you have a lot of money saved up, or you don't have kids, or, you know, you have space you can rent, whatever. If you're, if the circumstances are right for you to do that, yeah. then by all means, give it a try. But for most people, that is really too big of a risk to take. And mm. it's much easier, quicker, safer, less risky to start by treating a couple of clients on the side and make sure you like this. Make sure you like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I do like to tell people, it's not a brag, but I am single. Mm -hmm. I was able to start my practice and buy a house because I started the practice and it's doable. I have insurance through my company. So don't let anything stop you. It's doable. It's definitely hard, but it's doable. <laughs> 
too. Like I, I also want to make sure that people don't, I think that another perception we talked about earlier about how people maybe have this perception that like you have to have a brick and mortar. I think another perception is that people just make a ton of money. Like you start a private practice oh, yes. and all of a sudden dollars are flying from the sky and from the trees and whatever. And you know, you, the, the earning potential in private practice is significantly greater than other settings because you're in control of your financial destiny. If you want to give, if you want to raise at a regular job, right. you have to wait around for that and hope it happens. And if it does, it's usually small. Yes. Right? I never if, thought of that. That's a great point, actually. Yeah. There's no control over that. Yeah. Right. But in private practice, if you want to raise, you can raise your rates Mm -hmm. You can take on more clients. Mm -hmm. You can take on independent contractors or employees. You can become an insurance person. You know, there's any number of things that you can do to increase your income that is by choice, right? Yeah. If you want to make more money, you can work more hours. You, yeah. can, you, know, you can do all kinds of things, right? You just don't have that control in a regular setting. So that's one, I think, huge perk to private practice is that you now no longer have a ceiling, right? right. Think of all of our friends who work in schools who have, you know, the different grades and you can only get so much and, you know, plus 30, like whatever, like you have to follow along that, tra that trajectory. Mm -hmm. And for some people that's totally fine. But if you're the kind of person who doesn't want to have limits put on you, you know, put limits right. on yourself. That's fine. But I don't want anybody putting limits on Right. Agreed. Agreed. And the flexibility is awesome, right? I mean, yeah. I'm on vacation right now and I can because it's my own practice. So that's a great place to be. But like you said, I had a very heart, strong heart to heart with myself after that crazy employee billing service situation, which I'm not discouraging a billing service. I will probably use one again. I'm saying at that time it wasn't right for us, but if you're not happy in your private practice, then it's, there's only one person who's at fault here. It's mine. And I have the power to change it. And I really worked over the last six months to really be cognizant of whom I'm taking on as a patient, because not every patient that comes through our doors is right for us. And we've really, we've terminated a contract with one insurance company just because the rate was kind of low. And so you just have to do what's best for you. And that feels so empowering that I have the power to do that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what does the future look like for you and for your private practice? Ooh, that is a funny question. So I definitely would like to grow my business. I am a little more hesitant to take on more employees, but we have great therapists in place. So before I would feel busy and then I would say, oh, it's time to hire someone. So now I am saying, let's truly define what full means, like, and then not take any more until we hire someone or have someone leave because as that private practice kind of hustler i kind of i'll just get them and try to fit them in but i'm only one person and i can't even expect my employees to do that because they're people with families and um, so but i do want to grow my business i'd like to open another location i'd like to write another book 
have a, I'm actually writing a book called Drowning in Your Dream because I feel like I was doing that. And I, any private practitioner out there that's new, it's going to take about five years to kind of get your rhythm going, like to give, recognize your ebbs and flows, your highs and lows. So you, it's, it's, so you give yourself that and now that, that stumbling up that staircase, it happens. And also Natasha and Pam and I were working on a book for CFYs called uh, Starting Your Engines. So that'll be out hopefully in the fall uh, or by before Christmas, before graduation. That's a great, great goal. So you guys have great titles. (laughs) We do. We do. I'm like, oh, yes. They just come to us. Right. Well, because, you know, like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, right? Like, <laughs> I, haven't, I mean, I've, I've seen the, t- the cover for your first book. I haven't seen the, the other two, but the titles are really um, will grab people. Oh, I like, thank you. I appreciate that. We hope they will grab people. But even that's been a great, like, eye opener, the whole process of writing the book and, but it's been great to have something that you create. I mean, you can write, you of all people know that you create it and it's just generating income. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, yeah, absolutely. Love, I mean, don't you love that? I love that. I mean, I, so this is a story that I don't know if I've shared on a podcast yet, but when I was, um, I guess probably I was a CF. I had a coworker who told me about her multiple streams of income Mm -hmm. and she was a single woman she had um she worked with us at the regular hospital she had a she had her own private practice on the side Mm -hmm. she was also a fitness instructor wow owned a uh multi-unit apartment she i think she did one or two other things And she told me something which really stuck with me, which is that um, it's dangerous, especially as a woman, to rely on one income source. Oh, that's good. That's real good. And at the time, I was probably about 25, 26. I was also (laughs) single. And I was like, wow, yeah, you're right. I that's, you know, and it was a total mindset shift, right? That's a different kind of thing than the typical mm-hmm. employee mentality of, you know, I have one job, I rely on my employer. And, you know, we, you know, we, a lot of us got into speech thinking this is going to be a really stable field. I'll always have a job, you know, that kind of thing. And so when she said that, I was like, wow, I had never really thought about that. I had never thought of business mm-hmm. kind of stuff at all. Right. Um, cause I loved speech and I loved being an SLP and that's all I was doing at the time. And so that really opened my eyes to, Hey, that's really an interesting idea is to have these multiple kinds of jobs. Now, one of the things that I, I've been able to do is to, you know, sell resources and, and eBooks and courses and all this kind of stuff, mostly online so that all of this kind of stuff can happen just throughout the course of the day. Mm -hmm. Now I do put a lot of time and effort and energy into it. So sorry, we love your resources. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I spend, so the whole idea of passive income is like kind of true, but I am also spending a lot of time creating and Mm -hmm. doing marketing and doing stuff like that. So it's not like all passive by any means, but it's a wonderful supplement 
to everything else I'm doing. And to be totally honest, I love it. It mm -hmm. really gets my creative juices flowing. I find it to be very rewarding and stimulating. And I've gotten to meet a lot of people by virtue of doing this stuff, including you, mm -hmm. including this podcast, awesome. including, you know, the SLP private practice beginners Facebook group. None of this kind of stuff would have happened probably had I not had that conversation with that coworker all those years ago. Mm -hmm. So you never know what seeds of information That's true. are really going to, you know, change your life. Yes. Right. And yeah. I could have heard her say that and thought, oh, well, isn't that nice? Good for you. And mm -hmm. totally, you know, moved on. And maybe I could have also thought like, wow, she sounds really busy. Instead, I'd like, this was kind of before Netflix, I guess, but I'd rather just watch TV all night. You know, I, I never watch TV. <laughs> I'm doing all kinds of other stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, yes, you know, I there's do. different paths for everybody. And it doesn't have to be just because you're listening to this um, podcast doesn't mean you it has to be private practice. Totally. You, could, you could do something totally all together. What if someone who's listening to this is an amazing baker and has yeah. always wanted to get into baking and thinks like, maybe I should start my little cupcake business and do kids birthday parties or something. I don't know. But Chase, but you know, I love the title of your book, the putting your dreams to work yeah. because we all have dreams. We do. And if you can get financially rewarded for things that you really like doing, mm -hmm. why not do them? Why not do Absolutely. And I love when you said it doesn't have to be a private practice because it does, even if you want to write a book, if you want to create an app, if you want to create material, I mean, there's just so many paths for, if you want to be a public speaker, I, I put my toe in the water there and I love that. I just, I never thought, I used to be so nervous doing it, but now my goal for getting the message out there and my desire to make sure parents are aware of language and all of that and private practice owners are aware of the things the mistakes I've made and I don't want you to make that supersedes my fear now which is awesome <laughs> I used to literally shake in my boots and now I'm like let's do this man yeah. so I, I, I think this has been a really, really just fun interview because, you know, it's fun to talk to someone who is so like-minded. <laughs> yes! And, you know, for people listening, Adrian and I have never actually gotten to, to speak live like this. We've, you know, corresponded mm -hmm. via email and we've both written advice on lots of Facebook posts together and whatnot. But I'm just really excited to get to connect with people who are also out there supporting, you know, our people. Yes, yes. And I, I know I, we may have to go, but can I tell them the story of our first interaction? Because yes. audience, I quit my job and I emailed Jenna and I said, I did it. And she said, I don't know if you should have done that. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my gosh, she stabbed me in the heart. But she was right. Guys, my thing, my very first piece of advice is save six months of expenses before, before you jump out there and know your numbers. She's absolutely right because when you're stressed about money and making your private practice work, that's just more stress than you need. So if you've not yet made that jump, save that money, 
know those numbers and you'll just be better for it. I mean, I, we got, I got it together and it was, it's fine now, but it's stressful when you do it out of order. Right. Yeah. And you know, yes, but remember the order is different for everybody. It is. So so do whatever order. I mean, all you got, all you can do is to make whatever decision seems the best at the time. You do. That's true. And if it wasn't the right decision, you course correct. True. And, and yes. So, okay. Yes. So as your, but as your big sister in speech, I'm saying, save that money. (laughs) But you're right. I, I, I agree. Your path is your path. So your path is your path. And sometimes, you know, different opportunities come up or different things happen mm-hmm. and you make a decision. And I don't know, I don't really believe in wrong decisions. I mean, you don't want to do something like really wrong, like break laws or ethics or anything like that. But in general, like, right. I think you'll learn any, you learn any mistake is a learning opportunity. You're right. Right. See? Maybe you're my big sister in speech. I think we can all just be sisters. Why yes. does anyone have to be a big sister? We're just sisters in speech. We can just be sisters in speech. That's true. I just feel like, you know, I just want to say thanks for, you know, tell, showing us all we could do it and encouraging us to do it in our own way. I love that about you. I really do. You really, I've never seen you be too judgy or tell people what to you just friendly advice and you know if it's wrong course correct i like it that's all you that's all that's all you can do i mean it's all an opportunity it really it makes us who we are yeah yeah you're awesome you're awesome i love this (laughs) i like you i like you too (laughs) so any other you guys we're having this awesome bonding i'm so excited I feel like you've given our listeners great advice tonight. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you feel like you want to say or share before we depart? I say do it. I say if it's something in your heart to do that just won't leave you alone, do it. And I I think I said it earlier, but I would rather try it and then know I can or can't do it than not have tried at all. I'm so glad I tried. I mean, like, like I said, there's been bumps along the way, but I don't know. It's been, it's been like the most exhilarating, but the hardest thing I've ever done, but I'm grateful for it. It's really made me into a better woman. I think I'm, I'm proud of that. So do it, do it. And think of all of the lives that you've yes. changed. Yes, right? I do. I yeah. mean, I think, I think one of the other big things in private practice is just the, the greater impact yes. that we can have, right? And not only on, on our clients and their family members, but also on employees, on contractors, mm-hmm. and then just on ourselves. Yes. Yes, we have. We've touched a lot of lives, not to like pat myself on the back or you on the back, but I think it's great that we've, I've I've done my best to do therapy ethically and do right by all kids. My thing is I've always wanted to do things for all kids, no matter how much money they had or didn't have. And I think we've done that. And that feels really good. It really does. Well, I think this interview felt really good. 
It did. What a way to start my week. Absolutely. And so thank you everyone who listened. Thank you so much, Adrian, for your, your time and your energy and your just endless advice for both beginners and established clinicians alike. Um, I hope that we'll keep in touch. And as your new books come out, we will make sure to have links to all of your books um, on the show notes page, because I want people to be able to check them out. Will they all be available on Amazon? They will all be available on Amazon. Fantastic. So you can also look up Adrienne Fuller on Amazon and whatever she's published at the time that you look it up, you will find. And we look forward to hearing more from you. Yes, it was awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Jenna. You are welcome. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.